Women Taking the Lead, Episode 77. So it really empowers me when I work with other individuals and I go, I know that you are quality time. And so I'm going to take some time out of my day to spend some quality time focused around you to show you that you're valued in this organization. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Alexander Black Pollock, who is a business junkie at heart. Formerly working for nonprofits, she transitioned to marketing, but still feeling the pull of the nonprofit mentality, she stumbled into the world of social entrepreneurs. Inspired by individuals creating meaningful change in the world, she started the Positive Impact Podcast. This was the perfect blend of her nonprofit background, love for business and marketing outlets. This new show elevates the work of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world, inspiring individuals like you and me to make our positive mark. Awesome. Alexandra, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your humble beginnings. Well, Jody, first, I want to say thank you so much for hosting me. I am inspired by your mission and honored to be asked on the show. As for my humble beginnings, I'm traditionally an Idaho girl. Uh, which I'm living in California right now, and you'd be amazed at how many people think that that is the most foreign place in the world. Uh, I grew up in your kind of ordinary, uh, close-knit family, and I went on to college at Montana State University, where I met a boy, one of those Montana boys, and we eventually moved to San Diego. And that's kind of my story in a very small nutshell. There's lots of outdoor adventures, traveling, which is one of my passions, And then as you mentioned in your intro, uh, I've worked in nonprofits and currently am both championing the podcast as well as uh, in the marketing world, which is quite fun and what a roller coaster. Oh my goodness. So what was the culture shock like when you moved from (laughs) Idaho to California? (laughs) They have traffic here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's cars parked all the way on the five. Everywhere. 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 (laughs) And parking. Can you imagine having to, one, pay for parking? What in the world is that? As well as you have to park blocks away and you spend half an hour looking for it and then you get to pay for it. Yes. (laughs) Additionally, there's also not seasons in San Diego. No, no. That's what I hear. It gets cool and warm. But that's about it. That's our change of season. Yeah. You know, it's actually very cold this week. It's a very chilly 69 degrees. <laughs> All right. I'm done. I'm done with this this line of conversation. But I hear you on the paying for parking because Portland, Maine can be like that too. And I'm, not, I'm just about 25 minutes south of Portland. So oftentimes if I'm meeting up for coffee with people, they'll, they'll want to meet in Portland. And there's part of me that's like, okay, but if I can talk them into meeting somewhere outside of Portland, I'm good with that too. Because you don't have to pay for parking or parallel park or any of that nonsense. I hear you. I try to avoid downtown like the plague. <laughs> All right. Well, Alexandra, you've had success in your life. You've definitely gained some confidence. Man, I can hear it in your voice. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. This aspect of playing small when you don't realize it resonates so deeply with me. 
When I moved to California, I moved away from my entire network that I'd built up for over four years to come to a brand new community where we didn't know anyone. My husband had a very small network of individuals that he worked with, and I got a position at a nonprofit. And to be totally fair, it was a very good position. They had um, some interesting things that they let me do, and it was a very important chapter in my journey, but it was a part-time job. The pay was terrible absolutely terrible. And to leave that job was one of the hardest things that I've ever done because I had all this loyalty there. I had all this guilt and I wanted to be compensated for more because I knew I was valuable to an organization. And I also wanted to be able to achieve more. But honestly, that was so hard. And looking back now, what I've been able to accomplish since I transitioned from that organization I look back and I go, wow, I was playing so small and I would come home and in my spare time, I wouldn't do anything (laughs) where now spare time is kind of a luxury that I don't get to have anymore. But that time at the nonprofit, while it was very valuable in my journey, you know, I, I had a lot more in me that I could accomplish than through that role. Mm, That's a really great point that you bring up because I know a lot of people who do have a social mission and they do want to contribute um, more, right, than just playing a role. So they do tend to gravitate towards um, the nonprofit world. But there is that struggle between wanting to make a difference in the world and also wanting to have a retirement as well or live a certain lifestyle. And they feel conflicted between the two. And it is. It's so hard especially in a role, and you can have a positive impact in any role. And that's one of the things that we touch on on my podcast is that no matter the organization you're with, you can have an impact. But it is a real struggle between do you go the nonprofit route? Do you go for profit? Where does compensation play into your life? Those are all real hard questions. I mean, there's not an easy answer per se. Yeah, but I think what your your own story points to, like, you do have to make a certain amount. You don't have to be becoming rich off of your job, but you have to have a living or feel like you have a living in order to really feel like you're contributing at work as well. And one of the other things is you have to feel valued. That was one of my biggest struggles is I didn't feel valued. And a piece of that was the compensation. A piece of that was just the internal structure of the organization And it was so bad to the point that when I would go talk to recruiters about jobs and all they would ever diminish you to was how much did you get paid at this other job? Oh, it was gut-wrenching. And I actually, I had to hire a career coach to overcome all of those different challenges through that transition process. It wasn't something that I was able to do on my own. No. And a lot of women struggle with that. The negotiation process of, you know, the, the new job and what you're asking for and being able to uh, toot your own horn to back up the number that you're looking for is something a lot of women like just, ugh, they don't want to deal with it. It is. It's terrible. And it's ucky. It makes us feel <laughs> gross. <laughs> Uh, But luckily, I was able to have an amazing career coach who sat me down and was, this is not going to be an issue in your interviews because you're going to understand what your value in the marketplace is. You're going to be able to ask for that and you're going to be equipped to back it up. Oh, that's great. I I have met some women who are in sales and love it. 
they're just like, oh, it's just, it's a matter of fact. There's, you know, there's no emotion involved. It's not about me. I don't take it personally. It's just, for them, it, it's just clear cut. I mean, there's some emotion involved because, you know, when they're selling, you know, be it themselves or a product or whatever, do, they do want to create that emotional connection between the person who is buying and themselves or hiring and themselves, but they don't, they don't take it personally. They, they're just, you know, and having that coach who can help you realize what your value is and being able to speak to that gives you that confidence in those moments to just have a matter of fact conversation about how valuable you are. And I admire those women who have the confidence and who aren't able to struggle. Cause I know now, even when I do uh, contract marketing, when I send out a quote, it's still a fun process. I sit at home and I squirm over it and send it out. But once you get a couple that pay you kind of that fair rate, it's an entirely different conversation. And over time, you eventually build up that confidence. Mm -hmm. And then when you get the testimonials and the rave reviews, you're like, yeah, okay, yes. I am worth that. Yes. Awesome. Now, Alex, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Well, obviously, transitioning from the nonprofit was a big wake-up call. But another one recently I had this summer, and I had been toying the idea with building a brand. And it was something that I really wanted to do and a platform. And my amazing husband sat me down and had been listening to Zig Ziglar books in the car on his way to work, which was great. It just um, kind of unfortunate when you get those very, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to impact society Mm. (laughs) questions? And so he sat me down and he said, with this brand and with this work that you want to do, how are you going to impact lives? What, how is your work going to matter in the big scheme of things? And it was hard to kind of mull over that because I was thinking about maybe doing marketing or different things like that. And those, that moment really challenged me to identify what I wanted to do, which is where I started evaluating all those different intersections of my life, business, nonprofit, marketing, and Over the summer is actually where I came up with the idea for the Positive Impact Podcast. Oh, that's awesome. So (laughs) I love the story, like driving with the husband, Zig Ziglar quotes, having to answer all these hard questions. And, And where do you feel like you've made the greatest impact thus far? That's a great question. So the podcast is really young, but honestly, I think I've been able to make the greatest impact is being able to take the step further. A lot of times around social entrepreneurs, we talk about, you know, the shiny business that's doing all this good and we kind of leave it there. One of the things that's different about what I'm doing is I go the extra step and it's a lot of extra work, uh, but I go the extra step and I really evaluate these companies and say, what is the impact of your work? And my goal is to train this audience to evaluate both you know, kind of this great company that is flashing all this shiny stuff they're doing, but then be willing to go that extra step and say, well, how does that matter? How does that make an impact? You say you're working with women in Africa, but how are you empowering them? Are their lives actually better? Are you creating a community around this? Or, you know, one of my recent guests was about um, creating bracelets for girls to code and to be able to measure it later and say, well, you know, did you start this movement of girls that can now code and did you help change that gap? That's something that I'm very proud of and it's very Mm -hmm. unique. 
And that's where, as I continue to grow the podcast, I hope to make the biggest impact. That's really awesome. So what I'm hearing in that is measuring the ripple effect, right? It's not just, it's not just about like, oh, we brought all these women together and we had a great time and everyone was smiling and laughing and felt really good as they went out the door, right? Because that you can't really, like you can measure the moment, but then it's like, well, did it stick? Exactly. And also I take that lens when I donate to charity, and say, you know, you can have fancy marketing materials and all that, and you can make me feel good, but how are my resources actually being used? How are you creating that, exactly as you said, ripple effect? And it's just, it's something as a society that we have a lot of room to grow in and asking that into doing our due diligence. Mm, I think it's fantastic. I think, especially when a year or two have gone by and you can get those people back in and, and find out like what's going on, like what changes are you seeing? I love when clients come back to me a couple of years after we've worked together and they're like, here's what has continued to happen in my business. And of course, you know, without much humility when they say, and I know it's directly connected to the work that they, that we were doing together and they can connect the dots. It's so powerful. So powerful. It's so great too. It's a great, as a, as a coach, it's a great feeling. I can imagine as any social entrepreneur to know that the, it, it continues to make a difference. It wasn't just in the time that we worked together, but it has had that ripple effect. So that's really great, Alex. Thank you for digging deep on that one. Yeah, it was a great um, question. <laughs> and now what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to, to lead. We're all different. We all have different personalities and preferences and styles. And so it, it looks different for each one of us. And so we don't want to get in too far into a trap of trying to mimic somebody else's style just because they were successful. So Alex, how would you describe your leadership style? To be totally honest, I have tried to mirror that of a mentor who was so instrumental during my college years. And she was one of the busiest people I knew. She was always in meetings. She was just a mover and shaker. But when you had a meeting and you needed something from her, she was undivided attention. She would sit there with you. She would look at you. You know, there was never a phone in sight. And to be totally honest, it was a little unnerving to have all this undivided attention on you. But those moments, I felt so valued as a team member that that is something that I hope to impart onto others. It's just that attention, that communication. And once again, it's just that extra step to say, I'm focusing on you and I'm listening, which as an extrovert, I, I'm working on the whole listening part. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make a huge big difference. And, and honestly, in those moments, you really can't get much more done. Then have the conversation anyway. So why not give it your full attention? Because that lets the person in front of you know that they're important. And it's so powerful in creating that relationship and that trust. Hands down. That is huge. All right, Alexandra, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? So this is just fantastic because one of my former guests and I, Anna Lenhart of NGS Movement, are working on a virtual conference to air January 18th through 22nd, and it's just, it's going to be phenomenal. We are testing out this brand new platform, Blab, to hold our conference. It's going to be a virtual summit. It's free. And it's about your journey to social entrepreneurship. And it's really bringing together these different parts of national service, 
or I guess just service in general, whether it's the Peace Corps, the AmeriCorps, City Corps, and highlighting alumni who went on to became to become impactful change makers through either starting a nonprofit or a social enterprise. Because there's such a strong connection between serving others and creating a business that is also focused around service. And it's just not a conversation that we ever get to have. So we're going to do a five-day conference uh, highlighting 20 different amazing change makers. And the URL for that is journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com. Oh, I'm definitely going to have that in the show notes. I'm just jotting it down now. (laughs) And I have heard a lot about Blab, but I have not been on a Blab yet. So I'll have to check that out. Oh, it's so fun. I've heard. I know. And as an, a fellow extrovert, I'm sure I would eat it up. So Right. I mean, it's you can get on there and your ability to talk with people and then bring on guests and talk with them. And hopefully for all of our listeners out there who host a Blab, um, it is very hard when you have very little watchers. Uh, I hosted my first Blab and I had two people watching. And it, awesome. to be totally honest, it was wavering between <laughs> one and three. Um, so... Just get out there but, and do it and try it and you'll grow. Yes, but you have to start somewhere. I think, you know, that that's true with anything. And I remember being in a business development um, program for coaches. And oftentimes people talked about the first teleclass they had or the first webinar or the first live event. And the first one, you know, because you're not as well known you know, might get a sprinkle of people. And I've yet to meet the person who truly feels like their first event was a success because you learn also how to market these events, how to bring people in, how to spread the word, create a buzz around it, and then you get an audience. Um, But you have to start somewhere. So good for you for just doing it. And can we be honest here? I mean, we've all done something first at some point. And we don't really want that many people watching it. So <laughs> later I looked on point. it and I had other people saying that they watched the recording and it was, well, why in the world did I post the recording? I didn't actually want you guys watching that now that I've seen what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like whenever you're just your rough draft oh. of whatever it is you're doing, you probably don't want a lot of people to be there anyway. So and it was it's rough. a blessing. <laughs> All right, Alex, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that makes you a better leader? One of my favorite things around leadership right now is called love languages. And basically, it's this test, and it defines how people around you perceive and show love. There's four different areas. So there's one that's uh, gifts, one is active service, quality time, and then I think the fourth one is actually touch. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful tool when you understand how those around you both show that they care for you and how they receive praise. Because love and praise, um, especially in the work setting, are kind of the same. So it really empowers me when I work with other individuals and I go, I know that you are quality time. And so I'm going to take some time out of my day to spend some quality time focused around you to show you that you're valued in this organization. Whereas I turn to another coworker and I say, well, to be totally honest, you don't really value time that much, but words of affirmation is your style. So I'm going to jot a quick note, really highlighting something that you did recently and know that that's going to be more valuable to you than 15 minutes of my time. And it's just... Yeah, it's the most phenomenal tool and you can use it in your relationship and it's amazing. Yes, that it's really helpful 
to know how people like to receive feedback and appreciation and things like that. Because some people, I think for the most part, we all want to be thanked and appreciated. So true. But for some people, like gift cards and tokens and stuff like that, it doesn't do anything for them. They could care less that it has monetary value, but a handwritten note for that person could just send them over the top. Like they'd be like, this is awesome. Exactly. It's such a powerful tool. Yeah. So knowing, like doing some investigative work and finding out um, how people like to be appreciated can make a big difference, especially as a leader, because then people feel like you get them and you understand and you do appreciate them. And people are more willing to go the distance for somebody who appreciates them. Like you talked about earlier in your initial part-time nonprofit job, not making a lot of money and not feeling valued. Like if you had been appreciated, you might have stayed a little bit longer. I would have stayed even though a lot it wasn't, longer. <laughs> right. Even though it wasn't the right, right place for you to be at the time. Yeah. Not feeling valued can like as soon as something better comes along, you're out the door. And that's gone. exactly what happened. So with a lot, some of the organizations I work with now, they really create an open culture around that. We kind of always joke on the one hand, everyone knows everyone's spirit animal. And then on the other, you pair it with their love language, which have nothing to do with each other. But it's one of those fun things that you do to create a company culture. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can. I'd love to hang out there just for a day just to (laughs) see what goes on. That's awesome. All right, Alex, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? The most powerful book I've read over the last probably a year or two, and I'm an avid reader, is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I read this book and it was just eye-opening. And it really caught, or it really talks to everything that we've touched on today about creating relationships, how to value people, how to put people first in the conversation and get their, to earn their like, their trust and their respect. And it just, It's a complete game changer, whether you're in sales, whether you're wanting to be more valued in an organization, whether you're looking to start your own business. That book for me has just been an absolute game changer. It's a 75-year-old book by Dale Carnegie, and I would highly recommend getting the newer updated version because it helps with the language a little bit. Yes, yes. they. uh, (laughs) And some of the advice, although it's not completely old, it's, you know, they, they talk about writing letters that are so formal that I, you know, people today would not respond well to a letter in that format. But that I, I really got a lot out of that book as well. And it reinforced for me that if you want to build a relationship, you need to make it about the other person, like what's in it for them. It's so true. And if you're looking to pair it with a little bit of a modern day spin, Enchantment by Guy Kiyosaki is almost the modern day version, but I would still highly recommend reading Dale Carnegie's book first. Okay. Awesome. And Alex, what advice would you give your younger self? To my younger self, I would really just encourage me to kind of never lose that spark. Not to say that I have lost my spark, uh, but really just enjoy passion and have those days where you get to seize the day and put going outside and hiking and building those relationships is really priority in your life. Because those Mm -hmm. are looking back the times that were my favorite. Uh, you know, and when and what you're saying, what I'm hearing is also is to embrace the stage that you're in. Exactly. To, you know, I mean, how often are we like trying to be older than we are, you know, to try to like be successful or, or whatever, have, you know, have more freedom. And then we reach a t- certain age and we're just trying to be younger than we are. <laughs> 
when, you know, what's really powerful, I've met people who just embrace the phase that they're in. They're totally cool. Like, this is my life now. This is how I want to live it. This is the stage I'm in. And it's so easy to be around them because they're at ease with themselves. And just being open to possibilities is such an exciting time. Change is always scary. Change will never not be scary, no matter how much we want it to be. But just by having this very open mindset and being willing to embrace ideas and acknowledge where you are uh, has given my husband and I the confidence and um, guts and maybe just a spiced with a little bit of crazy to plan to move to Thailand for a couple months and explore how that can change our lives. And um, just the opportunity was there. And so we're going to take it. So cool. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for the pictures. Oh, <laughs> me either. <laughs> it's gorgeous there. <laughs> it is gorgeous there. All right, Alex, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. So I love this question because I always ask my guests this question and I have not been very diligent in myself having this, but the one that I always go back to, um, as unoriginal as it is, is Gandhi's quote of be the change you wish to see in the world. I like that one too, you know, and it really translates. I was meeting with a woman um, for brunch over the weekend and we were talking, it was a kind of a, a business slash getting to know you meeting. And we were talking about Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. And I was saying how, what I loved about that book, it was the first time I really read about, or I felt like that the tone of personal responsibility, like entered the whole, like women's issues, you know, like mm-hmm. if you don't like where, how things are right. Or where you are, do something about it. You know, and it just and every time I I think about it and I'm talking about that book, I keep thinking about Gandhi, like be the change, be like if you're not happy with the way things are, be the change you want to see. Um, And it's incredibly empowering when you really ask yourself that question of, well, what is it I can do? And just kind of put that challenge out to yourself and say, well, this is what I want and I'm not there. So how do I get there? It's very intentional and it can be exactly like you said, very powerful. Mm -hmm, For sure. And lastly, Alex, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? I would love uh, people reaching out via Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'm at impact underscore podcast on Twitter and at positive impact podcast on Instagram or the website. Oh, yes. And you probably have all the social media buttons on the Positive Impact Podcast website. PositiveImpactPodcast.com. Awesome. And for those of you listening, don't freak out if you're driving or on a run because you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at WomenTakingTheLead.com or you can use the short link, which is WomenTL.com. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. 
Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.